Welcome to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch, and this is a podcast of conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Bryn McGeever, the Managing Director of Australian Doctor Group, which is one of Australia's largest dedicated healthcare media businesses, specialising in educating, entertaining and informing specialists, GPs and pharmacists for over 30 years. Bryn has been with ADG for 10 years and has a long history of building platforms to help health professionals to stay informed, connected and communicate with colleagues, specialists and the pharmaceutical industry. Bryn, how are you going? Very good. How are you? Really good, mate. Really good. Thank you for coming along for a chat. It's going to be fun to explore some different topics around media and everything that ADG do, but also about yourself. So firstly, let's get the Bryn McGeever story. What's your background, sir? Oh, so I suppose traditional media kind of background started out in London way too many years ago, probably 20 something years ago. I don't want to give away my age or too much, um, <laughs> uh, mostly across the built environment. And then just shy of 11 years ago, came to Australia to work with what was free business information at the time to head up the healthcare and financial services sector as a commercial lead. So, and the last 10 years has been focused majority around healthcare. And obviously now fortunate enough to be leading Australian doctor group into 2021. So interesting time. Awesome. And so Australian doctor group, give us an understanding of what that is, how it came to be and what publications or products it covers. Oh, so Australian Doctor Group, I suppose, is just playing to its strengths. So we were originally owned out of Holland and London under Read Business Information, and we were part of the international cohort. We were bought and sold a few times. We became Cirrus, which meant nothing to anyone, and people kept calling us Citrus or Circus or some various other bits. And then when um, Australian Doctor Group was born again, probably four years ago now, and it's really just back to our strength. What do we do? We focus on doctors. Majority of our audience are based in Australia. And we're a group that do that. So Australian Doctor Group was born. It, I suppose in terms of the, the brand heritage, Australian Doctor, you know, was primary sort of media channel for the market for the last 33 years, I believe. Weekly newspaper read by, even today, is read by 95% of GPs, which is amazing in a world where, you know, print is considered dead. But as long as you deliver it for free, people will still read it. And for a long time, it's been known to provide a, its core purpose was around a newspaper that provided clinical updates and, you know, medicinal information as well, but also provided a sense of community. It gave doctors this feeling that although they were sat in a room, you know, generally with no windows being coughed at by a patient, that they, they were also part of a much wider community and, and the, the critical importance of them to a, to a healthy economy and societies. That was the core. And then under that as well, we also have Medical Observer. Uh, we have a product called Six Minutes, which was the first daily healthcare newsletter globally dedicated to digital only. Um, and at the time was launched in PDF. And all those three are kind of the core GP assets that we've nurtured over the years. Interesting. I've always thought about the, I put in inverted commas, old school print version of any media that goes out. Uh, and within healthcare, it's still pretty prominent. So that's pretty interesting. From your perspective, say over the last, you know, 10 years, let's say before COVID, because COVID changed everything, but before COVID, how was that whole kind of landscape changing as more mediums came in? We all know broader media was changing and print was under a lot of pressure. How would you describe that whole journey over the past 10 years? I think you're absolutely right. And I, well, I mean, from originally being on the financial services side as well, you know, that market leading title in that particular portfolio had less than 50% average issue readership. You know, this was sort of seven or eight years ago. So that, as you said, most traditional media companies have seen that massive decline in print. What we noticed was less a decline in print where, again, your average issue readership is currently at 70%, but it's stayed between 70 and 80% for the last 10 years. And yet at the same time, we were watching digital engagement grow. 
So it wasn't a trade. It wasn't that we were losing people from a print environment that were moving purely to a digital. It was actually that they were just coming more often. And it was a question of, you know, reach and frequency. And if we're honest, you really wait a week to read the news. If it's something you need to know here and now, then the benefit of obviously of email being a, you know, a kind of push mechanism and then the website being cool, it just provides with more opportunities to engage with the content more often. So, yeah, I suppose unlike other markets where you saw sort of one declining and the other growing, we've just actually seen print pretty much whole, but digital engagement has just continued to grow, as you'd expect. And so this year, obviously, COVID, that would have changed a lot of things. How have you found, say, the expectations of doctors changed in terms of accessing information changed over that period of time? Well, I suppose the benefit where we were potentially a little bit lucky was we'd, we'd originally, so again, in terms of our focus is all about trying to create a single coherent set of utility of news of clinical content for doctors. Originally, we had those scattered, as lots of publishers do, we had those scattered across five or six different platforms with different logins, which couldn't share information, couldn't say, you've read this, you might also want to read. We consolidated everything under OSDOC, so just called it a single banner, put all mastheads under it, again, probably two years ago now, which then meant we were able to provide that. You've just read news about this. Do you want to see the clinical update that goes with it? Do you want to see this other piece? And we were able to link that content a lot better and give the doctors a far better journey. So let them engage and kind of take them on that logical learning slash discovery journey. That, I suppose, was a really good precursor that gave us the foundations. So I suppose where we saw the huge change was the spike that we experienced in March and April especially was giant. And I suppose where we really saw that talking was there is an incredibly important position for unique, independent, Australian-led quality content. I mean, this is this is right to the point of quality journalism. You know, the amount of people I've heard over the last few years who say, I get all my news from Facebook, you know, before Facebook started penalizing publishers. But you just go, you know, when it comes to something as critical and as fast moving as COVID, you've got to go to your trusted sources. You've got to go to that original trusted platform and, you know, and, and group of journalists. And that was exactly what we saw. You know, it was far more doctors leaning in. There were a lot more visits to site that were unprompted. It was our job to fundamentally not only say, well, here are all the critical things you need to know about COVID. What is happening? What is changing? What are the implications for you? But at the same time, medicine and general practice was still going on. So you still have to say, yes, this is a huge critical part, but the rest of your world is continuing as well. And how do we manage that? How do you manage a lot of those more traditional medical situations in the context of COVID? What does that mean if you're doing it through telehealth? What does it mean? So, you know, we had to pivot a little bit, but the the level of doctors leaning in was was a significant jump, which we kind of expected. I'm not necessarily sure that's the point of Yeah, I was going to say, so the level of engagement in particularly the digital content that you guys did, it sounds like you're saying because it needed to be so up to date and, and in real time, there was much more demand for that digital information. Is that right in the early stages of COVID? Yeah, completely. That's absolutely the one. I mean, that probably highlights the challenges around something like print, where, you know, a, a mechanical and a physical asset is that it just can't be that responsive. It can't be that quick to turnaround. You know, and as I said, the anecdote or the kind of the key measure I would suggest is on average, doctors will come to our website nine times a month at the moment. That's our kind of common traffic. During that March and April period, that went between 15 and 16 times. So it was a phase shift where, you know, they weren't quite doubling, but it was just that frequency to go. What's new? What do I need to know? How do I get access to it? What can I trust? Not going to the fake news, but that similar piece to go, where do I where do I go to that I know I'm going to get the right information? So that was a big jump. 
Do you think that'll continue in a post-COVID world, that the continued, I guess, surge in digital consumption, or will things start to go back to the way it was eventually? Oh, we've definitely seen it tapering back down, which is no surprise. I think the urgency and the critical nature of where everyone was in their in their mindset, doctors and people too, they were equally concerned and what do I need to do and what does this mean for my patient group as well as myself and my family? So it's definitely tapering back. So we're back to probably 10 or 11 sessions a month. That is something that's changing and reverting, but all our total monthly users is up significantly. So I think with the people that were already on the platform, we saw a spike in terms of that need for here and now. And that's the bit that's going to taper back. What we've seen as an overall engagement figure, so the total number of people using the platform has now increased and has stayed there. So I think for some people, it was a catalyst to go, I need to get onto a platform that I can trust I can use. So although we're seeing the engagement piece taper, the total usage and the total number of people using it is still the same. So around about this 22, 23,000 HCPs on a monthly basis. So it's, you know, it's a really significant number. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. And so just thinking around engagement for a second, a lot of companies, particularly pharmaceutical companies, might be wanting to engage with doctors more particularly in a digital environment or an online environment. What should pharmaceutical companies be considering when they're developing their new strategies for online engagement with doctors? We have this conversation an awful lot. My view is, you know, the the major benefits to digital are kind of what we've said from a publishing side of it. You know, the speed at which you can be responsive, you can be reactive, you can measure everything, you know, you can iterate. A lot of those kind of core marketing and education programs that that have come from pharmaceutical companies traditionally do a kind of on a six-month cycle basis. And that's largely driven by the fact that it takes six months for a sales force to get into marketing process. You know, what's the difference that you've got to take advantage of the digital platform is you don't have to wait six months. You can launch something today, check it tomorrow and turn it around on Friday. Like that's the ability to say like marketing should no like sales, sorry, marketing and education should no longer be set and forget. It's all about how do you optimize this thing? We never quite know. We have a pretty good idea about which articles are going to go well, which content pieces are going to go well. Similarly, on the client side is you can just test it, put one out. If it doesn't resonate, change it. Go with a different theory, like try a different angle. What is that USP? What is that thing you're trying to communicate? What's that pain point you're trying to solve? Don't just assume you can leave it and in six months' time, come back and decide whether it's good or bad. The benefit of digital is you can, all of this is about being iterative. So my advice would be look at the data, find the pieces that are relevant and action it. Don't rely on it to look after itself. Yeah, excellent. And so just looking at the future then, when it comes to media and even just how we consume information more generally in a healthcare setting, what do you think? Are we forever going to be stuck in online conferences and email newsletters or is there a way out of this mess? Uh, A good question. I think there's a lot of people talking about what's the new norm and I think no one knows, which is going to be a very interesting time anyway. You know, there are certain practices I think have been employed through COVID around, you know, telehealth was kind of fast tracked through and there are components of that that will last indefinitely, which is great. A lot of those things were either non-billable in the past or were a challenge for both the patient and the doctor where geographical boundaries cause problems, cause waiting room issues, et cetera. So I think there's definitely pieces to the technology that will stay. Similarly with the whole, how much of it will be face-to-face versus online. You know, we've been able to see, again, just in terms of whether it's our own events or whether it's client events that we've helped to promote and to, to run, that the engagement on those has increased dramatically. 
I think the fact that they are increasingly on demand, in my view and how it should work, is all about empowering the doctor, giving them the power to say when I want to learn, what I want to learn about, you know, and giving them the access to this fundamentally wealth of information, whether it's from pharmaceutical, whether it's from government, whether it's NGO, whatever that might be, just to go, well, you know, how do we, how do we better serve that? There are certain things which we know full well work really well face to face. Anything involving a workshop, brainstorming, any of that, I tend to think, you know, lends itself to face to face conversations, to whiteboards, to kind of far more hands on. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of that kind of that learning, that certainly speeches, a lot of these calls, right? You can do perfectly well in a digital environment. So yeah, I think it's a question of waiting. So I think conferences will come back. I think there's an awful lot of physical socializing that goes on at those. I think a lot of people use them as a chance to connect with older colleagues or, you know, people I've worked with before. We're in the process of developing an app. So again, it's really about saying, well, you know, I think again, we're talking about how well or, or sort of the transition from print to digital media has been different in healthcare. I think as long as doctors are still using predominantly desktop for the majority of their patient consults, we're going to keep seeing like our digital engagement is probably, it's only just swung now in favor of mobiles and tablets versus <laughs> desktop. And again, you look at other industries and they are, you know, 80% mobile, yeah. right? There's very little actually focused on that desktop. But as long as you're still accessing best practice MD and Genie and the likes on a desktop, it kind of works. So, yeah, we're process developing an app which will be released in January, which again is just saying, well, is this a better way for you to get your news? Is it better that you can have personalized notifications come through? What does that future look like? And, you know, how do we give it to you right format, right time, right place that suits you as a doctor? Yeah. No, that's... That's really interesting and it's something that I'm really keen to see, you know, the uptake of that and there's definitely a place for something like that. I think back to the point around events and conferences, you're right, it's almost part of the psyche or the culture around healthcare and how, you know, different people engage. And where else would you go for pens and swag? I've got a feeling that we're all running out of pens in healthcare because we've not had any events and doctors haven't stolen any pens off desks. But Absolutely. If there's no APP, then you just can't go and you can't go fill up all your goodie bags. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be doctors with big suitcases next year when we're allowed back at these things and, and filling up their, their closets or whatever you do with them. Um, that's awesome. Now, look, you talked a little bit about what's coming up in the future. Tell me a bit more. What's on the horizon for ADG? What should we look out for in 2021 from you guys? Oh, a lot. Um, we've been doing a lot of heavy lifting this year, which has been, it's been really interesting, but really challenging. And I think my, I'm not sure my head of DevOps will ever actually hear this because he's just too busy coding, but um, there's a lot of people that are putting in some very long hours. Um, I suppose it's really focusing again more on the, how do we build around, if our core utility and our core asset is original Australian trusted clinical content and education and news, we don't want to take away from that. We don't want to say, well, you know, that's no longer available, but we've got all these other offerings. So that core is remaining the same. We're in the process of allowing people to create far more enhanced profiles to be able to show areas of interest to, you know, very much like you would in Apple Music to go, well, actually, these genres I'm quite interested in, therefore, you'd get a far more personalized feed. So obviously, you still get the editorial content in the view that the editors feel you should, but you'll also have it interspersed with more things that we've either learned about you from your behaviors or because you put a hand up to say, I'd like to know more about this. We're in the process of, uh, as I said, so the, the iOS app is the first one. And again, interestingly, if you look at the device type, again, I know Android is killing it everywhere else. In Doctorland, iOS is 
75% of our audience. So we're just like, well, for the time being, we won't even bother with Android. It's frustrating for me because I do, but for everyone else, it'll be good for, for the I'm definitely an, I, I'm an iOS guy, so I say that's the right decision for you. So. It's exactly the right decision. I'm pleased to hear that. Um, so, And then I suppose beyond that, we've also then at the moment we've seen, and this again is this benefit of using digital to see what resonates and see what's working. We enhance that comment function, allow people to comment, basically start to be used as a super communication platform. Don't quote me on this, but as of around about the 15th of December, there'll be the ability to connect with other doctors. There'll be the ability to secure end-to-end encrypted messaging and the ability to find specialists in your local area. So we're trying to just introduce these whole new concepts. If you're using this as a trusted place anyway, how do we make it far more a knowledge-based community? You know, we're introducing concepts around user-generated content. So ask a question, post a case study, and allow to create that conversation around it. And then early into 21, we'll be looking far more around the groups and what we can actually offer, again, on, a, on an ongoing basis around that connectivity. So, yeah, by Christmas, all doctors on our platform will have an inbox. So that's something different. Yeah, Awesome. I love that concept of connectivity and community and everything that you're building up. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and look forward to seeing all those updates. Look, Bryn, we'll leave it there. I'll put some information in relation to ADG and everything you guys do in the show notes and blog of this episode. And so people can check that out and follow the progress of all those new developments. You're a busy guy, so I really appreciate your time and making the time to come on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you as well. Thanks a lot, Pete. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Make sure you go check out our website for all our resources, including this podcast and the largest directory of technology solutions available to Australian healthcare practitioners today. Until next time, I'm out of here.